As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I'm your host, Josh G. Today we continue on with Best Month Ever 3. Best Month with a Vengeance, if you will. Best Month. Yeah, that works. That's what you said, right? That's what you called it. Simon says it is Best Month Ever 3. Best Month with a Vengeance. (laughs) In case you don't know who that is, please welcome Ian back to the show. Hey, thanks so much for the third time for having me on and, and the whole team of best film ever on for best month ever. Uh, it, it really is a fun tradition and God bless you for having us on. Absolutely. I love having, I look forward to this month every year because I know exactly when I'm going to try to get it set up and I know when it's coming and I know I'm going to get a diverse selection of picks for sure. <laughs> I know most of what's on the docket this year. Yeah. You're not wrong on that, on that last part. That's for sure. <laughs> But before we get into the movie, go ahead and give your spill on Best Film Ever in case someone's not familiar. Hey, if you haven't heard these dulcet tones before, uh, Best Film Ever is, uh, I'll talk about the, about the main episode. We, we drop a, one main weekly episode, usually on a Tuesday, where we talk about uh, that week's film choice. And we do the, the sort of uh, stereotypical deep dive. When I mean, I say deep dive, like we do like a king size deep dive review here. So whereas uh, Josh's favorite, favorite movie does things on a macro level, we definitely go to a micro level. And so we dissect every writer's decision, camera placement, contextual bit of information, how it all plays together and talk about even things like the means of what it is to watch a film and how the director is trying to manipulate us, yada, yada, yada. And it sounds very serious. I do think we do it with a fair deal of of humor, of snark, of sass, and dare I say, even aplomb. So uh, I, I do think that, yeah, we, we, we are king size and as a commitment. There's so many great podcasts out there. I do recognize how much it is to someone hey check us out but i think uh, i hope we reward that that commitment of time with uh with value for for i'd say for money but it's free value for free yeah i can uh back up all that as you guys are in my ears every week while i'm Bless away. You. so there Bless you go you. all right so let's get into tonight's movie we'll be going back to was it 1989 that's all right in my mind sounds about right yep peter weir's Dead Poet Society. From Touchstone Pictures, John Keating wasn't your average English teacher. I like Byron. I give him a 42, but I can't dance to him. To the administration, he was a rebel. I'm hearing rumors about some unorthodox teaching methods. To parents, he was a threat. Who put you up to it? Was it this Mr. Keating? But to his students, he was an inspiration. Seize the day. I'm gonna do it! That made their lives extraordinary. Robin Williams, Dead Poet Society, rated PG. Yeah, Peter Weir, director who uh, this is the first thing his I ever saw. He's the same guy as Witness. Like he's an Australian, and yet somehow he has his fingers in sort of these moments of very distinct American culture. And you'd think that would be a barrier to him. Maybe it's the outsider's perspective. He just seems to nail it. Yeah, you know, Witness is one that I still have not seen. Oh, Witness is great, and I wouldn't have seen it except for, as part of my gig, like, how great of a job is this? I get to teach film studies, so... 
you know, this is, it's, it's a bit of a charm life. I don't know how I tricked someone into paying me to, 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 to do this, but, uh, and witness is on the list of films that we're, it's on the syllabus. Basically there's a short list of films we can choose from. And I had a colleague go, I really, really, really like witness. I named my kid after the little boy in witness. Can we do witness? And I was like, yeah, certainly we can do witness and kind of went in with the whole, Hey, I'm doing this for, as a favor to a friend, yada, 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 and started watching it. And what a tremendous little film it is. Yeah, he's got a lot on his list that I want to actually check out, but haven't gotten there yet. But back to this one. When did you first check out Dead Poets Society? See, I knew this question was coming, and I don't know the answer to it. Uh, it's just one that sort of, you know, I have images of the worn out uh, VHS jacket on my family's uh, sort of home video collection. Uh, but I think I might have run into it for the first time at school. school? Did I? Maybe. No. Listen to all these sort of singular guttural <laughs> expressions I have here. I think I just sort of stumbled upon it at some point somewhere and just fell in love with it. I think um, I think it's a story. I'm probably segueing into the next, next question, but I, I'm, I'm running with it. Um, oh you know, I, I was a young man who was probably looking for a father figure. I lost my dad relatively young in life, and my stepdad and I didn't get along the best. We we're just two very different people at that time in life. And I think uh, you take this this concept of this private boys school with this eclectic male teacher who I think to each of the boys does become a bit of a surrogate father figure, especially for some of them specifically. And I think that resonated with me both as someone who I like school. I was all right at school. I was bored at school a lot. Uh, and so you have this concept of the charismatic, enigmatic teacher who whom I had a couple going through school. My, my, myself and looked at them with a great deal of respect and reverence and, you know, wanting them to like me because that was currency. But then on the flip side, this sort of father figure as well that I was yearning for and the impact that these people can have in shaping our lives. And then speaking from where I'm at now, the, the intense pressure that comes when you realize someone's looking at you in that same capacity and you go, oh, okay, let's make sure that, uh, what they're seeing is something that you'd be proud for them to see. So that's a very long way around about when did I first see it? Ah, probably sometime in the, uh, I guess from 93 to 95 would be my guess, but I don't have a distinct moment. I just know that I, it, it, all of a sudden it was, it was just something I'd always known to be there. Yeah. I have, I have a certain list of movies just like that, where it's like, it's just in the zeitgeist of my mind has always been there. So for anyone unfamiliar, tell everyone you've talked a little bit, but tell everyone what it's about. So basically, it's about this prestigious, very upper class um, private school, um, all boys, uh, probably about, I'd guess, 15 and 16 year old boys, I would guess. And it's about their English teacher. And he comes in, he's a former pupil himself. And that gets us some, some cool factor because the kids are all saying like, you know, like every school has its own pageantry and its own school model or song or whatever. And the kids have their own version, which they've bastardized. And it's probably been handed down from generation to generation, which we find explicitly when Robin Williams comes in and uses the same things back to him. And they go, oh, wow, he's the cool teacher. But then on top of being the cool teacher, he turns into the guy who's trying to get him to look at things outside of the realms of, yeah, education's for qualification, and that can help you get a great job. But isn't education to make yourself a better person just a joy in its own self? And he kind of flips the script on what that means. And everybody loves it until the boys start kind of taking his approach 
and it falls out of line with what the school wants, which again is qualifications and high grades. That's why you send your kids here. Please, Mr. Robin Williams, Mr. Keating, I believe his name is in the film, will you fall in line? And then it's that power struggle of what do you do? Because like I said, you've got that pressure and that thing now. Do you have integrity as a human? Do you have integrity as an educator? Or are you just part of the corporate machine of this school in this sense? And there's about four boys who they specifically sort of look at uh, Mr. Keating's impact on their lives individually. And you sort of see with varying levels of success and tragedy what happens as a result of this conflict that I think is all young people. When you grow up, you go, OK, who am I going to listen to and who do I want to be? And in a sense, this film is like on your one shoulder instead of a devil you just have like a corporate mindset look if you want to have a because all these boys are meant for greatness that's why they're going to this upper class school um but this 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 sort of person on the shoulder saying you know you can be a titan of industry or you can be a doctor you can be a banker you can be a lawyer and then robin williams on the other side going is that really what you want or are you just doing what you've been told that you're going to want to do and just like all of us, these boys have to make a decision about which influence they're going to listen to in their life. And ultimately, who do they want to be? And I don't think I got all this when I watched it for the first time at like 13 years of age or whatever it would have been. But um, it's definitely got had resonating power for me as a as a student, as a young person. And I don't think I've actually watched it too much since I've become a teacher, which is weird because this film, when I went, I mean, there was a whole generation of teachers who were like, this film is like what, what Top Gun did for the Air Force and like sign me up Did Poet Society. If you went to a teacher's college in Canada, that was going through like Poet Society was like our unofficial Bible. That's who I want to be Robin Williams. So uh, there's there's a. There's a nutshell and a half for you. Yeah, I was I was wondering, did this have any kind of impact on your decision to go into the teaching field at all? I don't know if it did mm, that or not. It, I don't know if you can entirely take it out of the equation. I was lucky enough to have a couple of um, solid uh, real life examples of I mean, they're not movie characters. You can't be Robin Williams. <laughs> sort of, no one was tearing the front covers off of books or things like that. But uh, I think it spoke to that. It, it depends what kind of teacher you want to be. There's something I would call a transactional teacher where you like the pay and the pay is pretty good in Canada and you like the holidays. And I'm sitting here on my summer holidays and who wouldn't want the vacations that I get? And in, in, in all honesty, they are they are fantastic. Even in the UK where we don't start until July 23rd and we go back September 1st. That's what a wonderful stretch of time to have off and hit that refresh button. And yeah, we need it. We do. But what a wonderful um, chance to have, especially if you have families or you have things that you want to pursue. It, it, it's a great time. But if that's why you get into teaching, it's kind of like, that's not who Robin Williams was speaking to here. Robin Williams is speaking to those people who are like, I just, I, I it's in my soul to teach, to change, to cultivate, to have people look at, at ideas the way they never did, for people to look at themselves ways they never did, for parents to look at children in ways they never did as they grow and become more than they previously were. If that's your jam, then Robin Williams is just cultivating that. And there is a whole generation of teachers who I went to school with when I was doing my uh, teacher training for whom Dead Poet Society is almost like an unofficial 
I don't know, Bible or instructional video. It, it's the soul and the heart of who we want to be. And it's kind of funny that motivational style isn't really the norm in the UK. So um, I think if you showed this film to some of my uh, some of my colleagues, I haven't watched the film that much actually since I became a teacher, weirdly enough. But I think if you showed it to some of my colleagues, they'd go, "That's who, that's who Ian's trying to be." And on a good day, he gets pretty close, actually, uh, and that's about as close as as we can get. But uh, you know, you do have. It's weird looking from the other side now and going, there are faces that I could put amongst the seats of the boys who they've come and found me after the fact and talked about the influence or the legacy or any of those things that the impact that that one has had that well, in this case that they feel I have had on them. And it's it's so humbling. It's so humbling and it's rewarding. And that's the stuff you get into teaching for um, in the English system. We don't give the kids, the kids don't get their grades until uh, it's all good. They all get them on one day in the middle of August and everybody has to arrive and pick up their envelopes and they open them there and they find out what their exam results were. And we, we have the option to go in. I'm, I'm head of department. So, so I, I definitely have to go in, but it's the best day of the year when, when they open it up and see that all that stuff we talked about, see yourself are more than you were. This is the, this is the validation that everything we said you were, you are, you are that person. I promise you that. And it's 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 such a sensitive, vulnerable kind of time when they're trying to figure out, am I this good? Maybe, maybe I'm not as good as I think. I, I don't know if it's. And they get that moment when they go, no, no, you are. Whatever it was you were you were fighting with, you are. That's a wonderful day. So, you know, the spirit of Dead Poets Society did have some. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's. It's part of the process, but if I hadn't seen real world examples in the flesh to back up those ideals, it would just be a movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm glad you brought up the students because I was going to ask you if you felt like you had that <laughs> impact on anyone, but there you oh, go. You've literally gone through it. Well, it's awfully arrogant to sit here and go, yes, yes, I have. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to disempower their voices either. And when they've come to me and they've said it, and blah, Liam will often share stories. Liam's uh, sitting on the couch here as I. Uh, as I uh, as I was record this, and uh, we were just talking in between the two sessions because you're recording a few of us on the same day here. Sorry to give people a peek behind the the curtain on this one. Um, and he was just sharing about you know when I've been with him and students who I've taught in the past have come up and they've shared their um they feel like they they, they wanted to share and say thanks and show appreciation and that's always really really kind and really humbling, especially when they get, because they could walk by me if they wanted to. They, 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 they really could. And we often talk about the kids. Some kids go, I can call you by, I can call you Ian now, can't I? And I go, well, you, you could. Um, well, I can't make you. That's, the, that's, that's what class is. Class is going. You can do it now because you choose to, not because you're being forced to. And uh, but that's <laughs> typically what they'll go. If one kid does, they'll go, yes, sir. <laughs> but but more often than not, I don't have to have this speech because they come up to me, even if it's been, you know, six, eight, ten years. And they'll go, sir, how are you? Big smile on their face. And uh, it's 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 always nice to know you made a difference. It's 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 humbling. All right. And I know hopefully one day you guys will cover this and they'll give it the deep dive treatment. But as you know. <laughs> That is not what we do here. So now we're just going to go directly into what I call the fun stuff. And this first one, I don't know. I don't know how I wouldn't want to see it. And I know you wouldn't either, 
but I ask it on every episode, and that is, what would you have liked to have seen in a sequel to this? Oh, it's difficult because I, I wouldn't. You're right. Um, the, the, there's there's two options. You can either have the next year's class. All right, we we can we can do that, but I think with repetition loses impact. So I, that's a little bit a bit difficult. Or or you could go the route of a legacy sequel because obviously Robin Williams is no longer with, then we could live in a fantasy world where he was and he made one, but we could go, what if you took someone like Ethan Hawke, who is a character in the first movie? He's one of the boys. What if you have him be a teacher? What if you have him come back? And what if now you have all the legacy of the original film, but something's different and it could be something uh, as, as, as subtle as times are different. Kids now are connected. They have social media, yada, yada, yada. It could be something like, cause that was a pretty white school. You could go, Hey, we've got some integration we haven't had before. And there's been, you know, and, 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 and they're not handling it that well. We could go that route. We could go that route and we could go, by the way, it's not just a school for boys anymore. We go to boys and girls. And all of a sudden he's going, you could have, you know, you have the picture in the office and Ethan Hawke going, and one like this, when, when, how, how would you have handled this? And sort of talk to himself as he kind of works his way through it. And you could go down that road and go, are the messages that were powerful then? Because the film set, even though it came out in 89, I think it's set in the late 50s, I want to say. Late 50s, early 60s, somewhere in there. That's what I was thinking as well. So you'd have to, oh, you'd have to set it in like the 90s, actually, then. Oh, that's interesting. So I don't have to do social media anymore, but you can do all the stuff in the 90s, bro. A, a total disestablishmentarianism. You've got, you know, grunge music. You've got that 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 sort of, you're out of the Reagan 80s and into the 90s, you know, you've messed everything up kind of, uh, kind of mindset. You do it in the early 90s. Wow, what a time you could do with that. Yeah, and, and, and you go down that road instead and you look at how maybe things were different in the 90s versus the late 50s early 60s but then also how some things have never have never been more of a same and i think uh to tie that together i think you need one of the original cast to come back and i think ethan hawk who's a fine actor um would definitely be i love ethan hawk in all things so he'd definitely be uh i think a salient choice on that okay so that kind of leads directly into the next question and legacy sequels you call them prequels, reboot slash sequel. That's what the thing is now. So you bring back Ethan Hawke, but how else would you Ooh. cast this thing? See, I went down a different because okay, oh, okay. Oh, you did it I differently. Can do, we can do I a great remake. Let me just go. Let's 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 park Ethan Hawke to the side because that would totally work. The rest of my cast can work whichever version you you you, you kind of go down. Am I allowed to swear on this? Is, is this a sweary oh. podcast? Yeah, absolutely. All right, deal. <laughs> so, um. I was thinking really hard. I had a short list actually for who I would do for, if I would do just a, a straight up remake, who would I do here? So um, I had some short lists and I'm thinking the hard part is he's gotta be funny. Now you don't have to be Robin Williams funny because Robin Williams, we talk about this a lot when we do Robin Williams uh, film on the pod. They just try and find excuses for him to do stand up. You know, he's a radio DJ that lets him do stand up. Um, and it, teaching's not much different. You just do stand up at the front and rather than be an audience, it's just a class. You can sort of do that. It doesn't have to be necessarily stand up funny, but there's got to be a cool factor that gets him in. So I've got a short list and I'll tell you who I actually, so people who I didn't go with, I didn't go with Ryan Gosling, although I thought about Ryan Gosling. I just thought he was a little bit too perfect. Like he just looks too, a little bit too Hollywood. I'm like, as much as you know, Canada and all that stuff, 
I was with I thought Josh Radner from How I Met Your Mother, Ted Mosby. He's got an academic kind of thing. He's a little pretentious, and I wondered if he'd lose that relatability. Uh, I had Seth Rogen on my list as a kind of a dark horse, but you kind of want the teacher to be telling off the kids for smoking weed behind the school. You don't want the kids to be telling off a teacher for smoking <laughs> weed behind the school. And I ended up going with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I think can do that kind of he's he's relatable he's young enough that he's kind of less, just like maybe like your uncle maybe but then i think he can do the bit where he, he draws you all in and he tells you that you know life love poetry art this is what we stay alive for i think he can do that in a way that um that some he can balance the funny in that better than than, than the ever three with the exception of gosling who probably could do it but he just looks too much like a model so when, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt's your ugly choice of the two, I'll let you know how good-looking Gosling is. Well, he's literally playing Ken right now, so yeah. He is. <laughs> he is. And that's Knuff. That's all I got to say. Um, and then I went for who should – so the other one – I mean, for, for the kids – you know what? I don't care. The young actors, because okay. the, the benefit of the first one was I. they all became something, but we didn't right. know who Ethan Hawke was. We didn't know who Sean Robert Leonard was at the time. You know what I mean? They were just kids, and it's the benefit of sort of casting unknowns as they become the characters. Just anything but the fucking kids on Stranger Things. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Don't want them. Keep them away. Because that's the thing. You don't want stunt casting. You don't want Ghostbusters where it's like, oh, it's a Stranger Things reboot. It's like, now it's not a Ghostbusters movie. It's the kid from Stranger Things. It's all you're seeing. So I don't want that. I want kids. Let them be theater kids. That would be great. But kids who we don't know from other things. That's my thing. But I don't. The other. So there's only really two real um, parts that I think are really massive once you have the kids figured out one is the Robin Williams one. And then the one is the father yep. of, of the boy who Neil wants, Neil's dad. That's yes. it. Um, and you know, he wants to be an actor, but his dad wants him to be a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. And you know, it's played famously by Kurtwood Smith um, who plays red foreman. And so you're going, he's not red foreman. He's not putting his foot up anybody's ass or anything like that, but, but he, but, he, but he's a hard man. Yeah. And I'm going, who would I want for this? And I had a short list, but man, my tastes are old, I found out. Because <laughs> my first thought was Steve Carell, and he's 60. Ooh. So I think he's too old. <laughs> I don't think I can get away with this. My second pick, I went, oh, I'll go younger. I'll do Brian Cranston. He mm -hmm. can totally do it. <laughs> he's 67. Yeah, so he's not younger. <laughs> Jeez. So here's my young one of a three, and he was in a film in a similar role as an authority figure just before he got clean and did Iron Man, or just before he did Iron Man. I want Robert Downey Jr. as the dad, because people don't think Robert Downey Jr. can do bastard. Robert Downey Jr. can definitely do bastard. And if you don't know, go see Oppenheimer. But um, it's it's. He, the guy can just act. And I was actually thinking the other day, it's a shame that in all the hullabaloo with franchises and him becoming a giant movie star, we forgot along the way that Robert Downey Jr. is a hell of an actor. And then finally something came along and reminded me, which I'm very appreciative of. But he's done the education dad kind of thing before in Charlie Bartlett, which is a little bit how to 
had sort of a, a, a more a kinder, softer edge to the character by the end of it. I think a chance for him to have to deal with the consequences of the pressures he's put on. I think Downey can do that because that's a and if there's one shortcoming I have of Kurtwood Smith, I think it's the scene where he's grieving. I don't think he's I don't think he has that level of range. I think Robert Downey Jr. does. So there's my I want Joseph Gordon Levitt. I want Robert Downey Jr. and give me a bunch of unknowns for the kids. There you go. That that sounds about the right way to do it. Boom. All right. So give that final pitch on why they should take a chance on this if they haven't already. Oh, if you haven't seen Dead, Dead Poet Society is the kind of film that does not get made anymore. It's it, it's an idea. It's a concept that someone had in the room and said, what if, can you imagine a film being made about a boy's private school and the teacher would change their lives today? It would not happen. And because of that, we need to go back and look at the films like this that were made when they were allowed to happen. And just like I talked about looking at students in a way, that uh, they didn't see before and they look at themselves go look at robin williams in a way that we kind of forget we kind of forget we we leave him as the genie we leave him as um oh flubber (laughs) we leave him as these sort of high profile kind of comedic over the top caricatures and then go watch what it was like when they let him take off the training wheels and let him act a bit. Now it's not Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting's his best, but you don't get the Goodwill Hunting without getting here first. And look at the impact of of someone's influence on someone's someone else, and 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 the grief that that has to come out of that. I'm trying to figure. I had one last thought concept that I just don't want to let it go out of my head here, and it's the idea that oh. See, I guess just like we saw kids from on there, go see Robin Williams from more than you thought he was. Because if anything else, it's just a great testament to a great actor who we no longer have. And if you haven't seen it, he's universally liked. Why would you not go see one of the best films? He's nominated for an Oscar for this, folks. Go check it out. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you in the podcast? Well, before I do that, I want to thank once again, Josh, for having us on for best month ever. It's always a uh, pleasure. We appreciate your conversation, your presence in the podcasting community. I'm so thankful that for every best film ever, we've, we've also got a, your next favorite movie because uh, there's room for everybody at the table. And uh, we, 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 we want to see this pod succeed. So we are totally sending the farm to come listen to your next favorite movie, more so than we try to do on a regular basis. We're explicitly telling people, go check this out. So if this is your first time checking this out, if you're here because we told you to come here, stay here, listen to this, get this in your queue. Now that I've said that, you can find Best Film Ever on all major platforms for podcasts. You can find out that we tend to release about two episodes a week, our main deep dive review, and then something fun on the side. You can get a hold of us on the Twitter, at best film ever pod we're not giving up on twitter just yet we know threat we, we, we had a threads account i'm not plugging it here you can probably guess how to find us on it but um that's the number one way in which we engage with our audience we engage with josh we engage with people on the whole and it's a wonderful film podcast community i know twitter can be a dark dark place where people are the worst versions of themselves we don't tend to find that in that community we tend to find a whole lot of positivity so believe in the power of positivity believe in your next your next favorite movie believe in best film ever peace out and as always you can follow me at ynf movie pod like i said on twitter that's where i'm at that's where i'm hanging out and i've had most 
positive experiences as well. So we'll be back next week. Georgia should be here to talk about why the Muppet movie should be your next favorite movie. Phenomena. <laughs> so until then, you guys take care, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>